This is Vigneto, a podcast. From the sun and soil they grow. From the land and sea they roam. Drinking wine in the great unknown. I'm Susanna Gold. I'm a wine educator, brand ambassador, writer, and marketer with a keen interest in both new and old world wines. My websites are vignettocommunications.com and susannagold.com. And of course, I have a wine blog, avinata.com. I'm particularly keen on Italy, where I lived for 15 years. While I do consider myself a wine geek, I love to look at wine from all aspects. One of the things I want to do with this podcast is delve into the many facets of the wine world, looking at it from multiple points of view. The podcast will have different series, and for the next 10 weeks, I will be discussing the topic of sustainability with my friend and fellow wine lover, geek, and expert, Sunny Gandara. Hi, everyone. I'm Sunny, and I've worked in multiple facets in the wine industry uh, over the past 15 years or so. Currently, I'm the U.S. brand director for Quechabella, which is an Italian winery located in Tuscany, and uh, I have a special interest in vegan and organic wines. I'm also the global wine director for Matthew Kenny Cuisine, which is a worldwide plant-based hospitality and restaurant group. Um, a trained chef and food and wine blogger on the side where my focus is on pairing wines with plant-based dishes. I want everyone to discover the enormous, exciting and delicious world of plants and the gastronomic pleasures you can get eating a vegan diet with a glass of wine, of course. Of course. So we're here today with Jenny Lefcourt of Jenny and Francois, a natural wine importer based in New York. Hello and welcome, Jenny. We are so excited you're here to join us for our second episode in our sustainability series. It's always great to view a topic from another point of view. We've got a lot of questions to ask you about your work and your views on the subject. Take it away, Sunny. Well, so nice to have you, Jenny. Um, I've always been an admirer of your wines and your business and um, absolutely love people who are trailblazers in in (laughs) your field, like yourself. Um, So 20 years ago, really, was when you started and uh, natural wine wasn't even a, a term and even organic wines were probably frowned upon. (laughs) What was your, um, I would be curious to know what was your inspiration to start importing these types of wines? Yes. Well, first of all, thank you for having me, um, Susanna and Sunny. It's really nice to sit down and talk with you both. Um, So I would say the first thing that struck me when I first started tasting natural wine, which was really in the 1990s in France, there wasn't really a name for it yet. But the wines I was tasting in that moment in certain places, at certain friends' houses, at certain wine bars, struck me as completely different from anything I had had in the U.S. And it was this taste that first drew me in and drew me to go to some wine tastings and start asking questions. What is this? You know, what is this cloudy, delicious, um, just thirst-quenching, gulpable beverage that was unlike anything I'd had before. And um, it was that second part when I started to speak with producers about what they do and how they make their wine that I got even more excited. Um, And that was, they all said the same thing, which was that they worked organically or biodynamically in the vines 
And then they worked naturally in terms of how they made the wines. That is, they used indigenous yeast, low to no sulfur, and none of the other 300 additives or so that are permissible in winemaking. So that really spoke to me because I'm a political person. I think that preserving and cultivating biodiversity is of the utmost importance, and now it is our absolute duty to do so. Um, so back in the day when I realized that not only do these wines taste fantastic and excite my palate, but also like I felt completely politically aligned with the idea of organic and biodynamic viticulture. And then to top it all off, I had gone to France as a student of literature and film. And I felt like this was really about culture as well and preserving a way of life in each small town in each Appalachian, but not in a reactionary or backward looking way in a very positive and constructive forward looking way. So I think all those things combined, I just knew I had to become a wine importer. Wow. I mean, what a change from what you were doing before. And I guess the reason why you ended up in France, right? You kind of switched your whole field. (laughs) But it seems like you had an epiphany and a revelation. Is that sort of an apt way of looking at it? I would say yes. It was definitely an, an epiphany and a revelation. And I felt much more excited sort of working with people and it drew me out of my shell too, because I tend to be, uh, you know, quiet and reserved. And I think sitting in the library doing research for many years, I, I needed to bust out and actually meet people and talk to people and travel in France and discover, you know, what all these um, fantastic, wonderful humans were doing. Well, you were mentioning before that, you know, when you started, there wasn't even a term like there wasn't like they didn't say natural wine. Right. Um, So can would you be able to or would you can you share your own definition of natural wine and what you think it should or or shouldn't be? Um, Yes. Uh, So first and foremost, it's it's really about what happens in the vines. For me, the base is organic viticulture or biodynamic viticulture. Without that, there is no natural wine. So it starts with no synthetic chemicals and herbicides in the vines, um, only natural sprays and whether people till or don't till, whether they push it to really create um, biodiversity. Um, The important thing is no chemicals. And then um, these winemakers take things one step further when they bring the grapes to the cellar, they're making wine using little to no additives. Um, But that really means something fundamental about how the wine is made. Most wine, the grapes are harvested and sulfur is added directly to the grapes to kill off yeast that is naturally present on the skin of the grapes and to kill off bacteria. And then once those yeasts that are naturally there are gone, a lab yeast is used to start the fermentation going. And so that lab yeast can actually have particular taste. 
And so the taste of the wine is very much developed using lab yeast enzymes, tartric acid, sugar, any number of additives. Whereas these wines, the whole idea is to preserve the natural yeast, indigenous or wild yeast um, that's there on the skin of the grape and the fermentation happens with that yeast. And so there's a plethora of yeasts present in the vines and they really have to do with the place and time where and the particular vintage um, of that wine and so the fermentation starts and hopefully continues smoothly and if it can go all the way to the end with no intervention of adding or adding anything else then you have a, a very pure natural wine but for me um you know, the, it's up to the winemaker to decide if one year they need to use a little sulfur, if one year they need to filter. Um, these things, you know, you can't impose a rule on nature. Um, if there's too much rot, if, you know, something is going on that's not uh, necessarily the way, the per, you know, to have perfect, beautiful grapes each time then it's up to them to, to do their own uh, recipe. Mm. <laughs> so, so I'm, you I'm sound, not, yeah. No, sorry for interrupting. So you, you sound so knowledgeable about everything about grapes and what's happening in the vineyard and every step of the kind of fermentation process. It just makes me ask you, like, did you go to school during this time <laughs> for viticulture or is this all learning on the job? Um, so Francois, who I started the company with, he did go to school for viticulture and he studied winemaker winemaking and he went into the vineyards and he did everything from the ground up he pruned he worked a tractor I went also and did a bunch of harvests um, but we really learned about winemaking before um, we started Jenny and Francois elections um, because that's the base of everything and when I came back to New York I realized at the time 20 years ago that sommeliers and wine buyers didn't necessarily know all these technical things about winemaking. And so even though I had actually never worked in wine before, I knew a lot more than, than a lot of people in the wine world at the time. I think things have changed a lot. I think, you know, there's been kind of a revolution in the wine world and so many people now, you know, go work in wineries, go harvest, go see what it's about. Um, but at the time, that was much more rare. Now, from what I understood when you were talking earlier, you're not necessarily, because I was trying to get your definition of natural wine, you're not just like a fan of like, yeah, let's just press some grapes and leave it in a tub and come back next year. You know, like <laughs> you see that there, there is some sort of uh, necessity of intervention by man. So I was wondering like what, what your prerequisites are when you choose a producer to represent, like what has to be in place for you to really embrace um, their practices and obviously their their quality of wine and so forth. Um, I think for me, it's first and foremost taste. You know, that's sort of how I came to it in the first place. Something about natural wine spoke to my palate and my particular sensibilities, um, you know, but that's subjective. And so, you know, other people might prefer other kinds of wines that are more extracted and big and jammy and higher alcohol. Like I like wines that pair well with food that have a lot of good acidity that have some weight to them but um 
you know, that express a lot of different things that have really like a varied aromatic approach. And so um, I think that's first and foremost what I look at. And I can, you can tell if a wine is natural or not from taste, you know, but then these days, of course, I have a lot of people writing and saying, I'd like to be imported by your company. How can I do that? And so if somebody approaches me in that fashion, I'll ask them about the, how they work in the vines. Are they organic? Are they biodynamic? And what they're doing in the cellar. And generally, um, I can learn a lot that way um, in terms of whether or not the wine will be something that I you know, at least want to taste. Mm. Um, because if there's new wood, I'm not so interested. If there's like a lot of residual sugar, um, mm. like in a white wine, I'm probably not so interested. Um, but yeah, if, if there's also, you know, use of added yeast, bentonite. Right. Um, yeah. So do you fine. normally like do a pre pre interview before we even visit or do you, are there times when you just go, obviously now we can't travel as freely as we, <laughs> obviously. but um, do you just kind of, I mean, how do you find these producers? I'd be curious. A lot of different ways. I think, you know, a lot of it is word of mouth. Um, some of it is, uh, you know, some random person shows up at my office or used to, <laughs> you know, <Right. laughs> um, in the Some before it, times. Right. Uh, wine fairs, you know, was always a big way to, to find producers. I mean, these days, like, you know, Instagram, somebody follows me on Instagram and I check them out and <laughs> they have a cute label and then I read about them. It's the world is, has changed a lot. So can we talk about sustainability just kind of as a topic um, for a minute? This, that is, you know, what we're kind of also focused on here. Where do yeah. you see the word sustainability in the natural wine world? Do you see it as natural wine is part of being sustainable? Do you see it as an, a bigger kind of umbrella term? What do you what do you think about the use of that word? And what's your view? I think I used to have a big allergy to that word. <laughs> Sunny I, too. That's really yeah. interesting. Yeah, she felt the um, same. I mean, I guess because I felt like there's not really a, a very narrow definition of what it means and so I think a lot of people try to pass off what they do as being close to organic when it not, isn't necessarily that mm -hmm. but on the other hand I got this absolutely fantastic email from one of our producers at the end of uh, 2020 sort of updating updating us on on what they they were up to and she really like I've, I've actually never had anyone do this in quite this way, but the producer Alex and Maria Kopich from Austria, and she kind of wrote a list of things they were doing towards um, environmentalism, she calls it, but it, mm -hmm. it really could be said uh, towards sustainability, mm -hmm. such, such as self-sealing cases to reduce plastic waste, no tape needed, cases created from recycled paper, only one label to reduce plastic waste, combining two or more tasks with the tractor to save gasoline, extended manual labor in the cellar to reduce power consumption. I mean, she goes on and on of the things they did this year. And then she has a list of things that they want to do, do moving forward. And I think that's absolutely wonderful. Like the thoughtfulness of every single part of the process of making wine, bottling wine, selling wine, um, she talks about like having a lighter glass bottle for reducing 
um, the impact from shipping, shipping the wine overseas. Um, so I think that's a really thoughtful way to think about sustainability. Yeah, no, I agree with that. We were talking last week about, you know, what we think kind of comes under this term that Sunny doesn't like and that, you know, I, I anyway decided that we <laughs> should use for the series because it just encompasses, you know, comp- encompasses so many things that, that I wanted to talk about, including things like packaging, using extra tape, recycling bottles and the weight of the bottles and kind of all of that stuff. But I I wonder, because you talk to consumers when, you know, on Instagram or through Zoom tastings now, I'm sure, and everything else, do people talk to you about sustainability? What what kind of questions do people ask a natural, consumers, I mean, a natural wine importer? Like, what's your view of how consumers are seeing the natural wine world today, as opposed to 20 years ago when you started? American consumers, I mean. I mean, I think these days when I go to talk um, about specific wines or specific countries production or um, I generally I often if it's a big group I'll say like how many of you know what natural wine is and like a lot of people raise their hand how many of you know what organically grown grapes or biodynamics is and a lot of people are, are really aware and so that's interesting um, but I haven't asked the question like what do you think of sustainability or how many people like have an opinion about what that means? Um, that hasn't kind of been part of my um, discourse or dialogue about it so much. Um, that doesn't mean it, it shouldn't be. And in fact, there is one moment where I talk about it a lot, which is I created a brand called from the tank, which is a three liter uh, wine in a box. And for me, part of that project was to push um, push the idea of what I do further and be more sustainable about it because it is such lighter packaging. So to ship it um, overseas, uh, much less gas consumption, much less CO2 produced. So uh, because that is light, light. No, I was just saying that was a very delicious uh, wine too because I bought it. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> it sold really well and people love it. They love the idea of just buying wine on tap because of the, the sustainability of less packaging and just, you know, it's a lot more economical for even for the consumer, right, to buy. And it was like a really great Cote de Rhone, right? Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah, we do a three liter box and we yeah, also do fantastic. 20 liter kegs. Yeah, I so. think we should have more of that. So I agree. Um, it's a one way keg system. So it's re- you can recycle them. But it's sort of like a big bag and box, basically. So on the outside, it's with a pouch mm-hmm. inside. And so um, you fill it up with a neutral gas, which pushes, pushes the wine up. And you sell that generally to restaurants? Is that who buys that? Or do, do individuals, consumers buy this from the tank for their homes as well? Uh, the three liter version is what people buy for their homes, which is in vacuum sealed container, which is just great because it stays fresh for like weeks and weeks. Um, But one could get a keg for a party, just like you get a beer keg. That's possible. Um, But not a lot of people have requested that. And we haven't really pushed it in that way since we do have the three liter. (laughs) That's pretty awesome. Sunny and I were just talking about that last week about this kind of packaging because Sunny is Norwegian and a lot of Norwegians are more sort of interested in bag and box. Huge in Scandinavia. In fact, I think it's the biggest selling category and uh, just 
yeah, much more environmentally friendly as well. And uh, they're getting really creative. A lot of producers are embracing that packaging. It used to be looked upon, kind of frowned upon, right? But now it's uh, right. <laughs> a new category that's uh, that's very popular. Yeah. I'd be curious, are there any sort of wine regions or countries or areas that you're really excited about that you see that sort of true um, organic, sustainable, if you want to call it that, or natural wine movement really happening that you you want to sort of... Well, when travel was possible, <laughs> I went to the Czech Republic and Hungary and Austria, and um, I felt like seeing a lot of like smaller wineries surrounded by you know maybe there'd be like apricot trees on one side and a forest on the other side and uh you know a patch of wheat on the other side like there was a diversity to um to the places where vines were growing which you know if you go to very famous wine regions it's all vines and so in fact like you know there's all these this idea that you see like a sea of vines that it's so beautiful but like now I don't see that as beautiful at all I see that as you know very monolithic and um, it's much more beautiful to me to see all of this diversity in lesser known areas of the world in lesser known areas for winemaking and I hope they can preserve that diversity but some of the most exciting natural wines are coming from places like this. That's really interesting. Do you bring them in? Do you bring in any wines from uh, the Czech Republic, for example? We do. Yeah, quite a few. Uh, Milan Nesterek is one producer we work with. He's this young guy. He does absolutely fantastic wines. They're so delicious. <laughs> nice. What about in the United States? Because I've tried some of your wines, like your wines from Michigan. I didn't actually try them because I have <laughs> met you. I, I joined a wine club and I got wines that happen to be wines that you bring in and oh, I was cool. tasting um it's called I'm blanking new cellars new. yeah new cellars right and uh with I opened a bottle of ripper I think it's called and mm-hmm. I mean I practically finished it by myself just oh, sitting awesome. in my backyard <laughs> and I'm like this is not this is not appropriate I have a six-year-old I can't have a bottle of wine in the middle of the afternoon but it was just delicious so what's happening yeah. in the United States in terms of like the natural wine world because you do bring you work with a lot of producers here too don't you we do yeah I, actually my national sales manager is from Detroit and he was the one who said to me hey you know there's all this interesting stuff going on in Michigan we should get one of these wines <laughs> I had no idea um, I had no idea either I was really excited to find those wines yeah it's exciting now I think that you know we started as an all-french company we're all French for many, many years. And we kind of expanded outward um, as the natural wine movement expanded outward. Um, you know, Tony Cattori was one of the, you know, he thought he was alone in the world making natural wine in California. And now there's <laughs> so many exciting producers um, in California making natural wine. We just started with this, these two young guys from LA called Wonderwork. Uh, W-E-R-K. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we, we work with, uh, we're about to start with um, a producer from Oregon called Hayu, who really has a real farm. I love those wines. Oh, gosh, they're incredible. Really, really 
incredible wines interesting just passion wines (laughs) yeah they're great so um there's so much exciting stuff happening here in the U.S. too and and you know some people pushing things one step further and like fermenting um grapes with apples or you know these sort of fruit pet nats we have we work with a producer from Sweden called Fruit Stereo who does these kinds of things they're fantastic um and then there's people experimenting with that in the u.s too like a vinca minor um it's a producer we work with who's who's doing that as well evolving in the next few years in terms of projects and plans and does that do you see that more interesting to 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 include a portfolio with uh fruit-based wines i mean not just grapes or absolutely i mean i think it's it's important to bust out of our preconceived notions of you know, how things are done. And that those are, that's an exciting way to, to think about a pleasurable, you know, fruit pet net. Um, just a, yeah. a lot of fun. But it's also, you know, wine, you only get to make it once a year. So if you have some, uh, some other kinds of fruits, you might get more of a shot at <laughs> making something different, you know, and I think, I mean, in California with all the fires and, you know, people are looking for creative ways to survive and make different, interesting, pleasurable Mm. things. Well, there's so many things that you brought up and so many producers. I just want to run right out to a wine store and buy some of your wines. So are (laughs) your wines widely available within the United States? Are they widely available on the East Coast? Are they in restaurants are they in wine shops where can people get some of these great wines that you've mentioned um yes our wines are almost in every state at this point so i think the best thing is to go to a local wine shop that um you know not a not necessarily a big chain or a big box store but something that's curated by uh you know an owner of a small shop and ask for Jenny and Francois selections or ask for natural wines. Um, I mean, we do also sell to bigger places, but I think that's probably the easiest, most obvious way to, to find our wines. We're also in restaurants and yeah, hopefully our restaurant friends will be opening up again more yeah, and more. It's, it's, <laughs> such a hard, it's such a hard year, but I just want to thank you so much for coming on. This has been a really fascinating conversation. You've just given us so much to think about. And thank, um, thank you, Susanna and Sunny, for having me. Thank you. Thank, thank you for joining me, Sunny, this week again. So this is a weekly podcast, which for the next 10 weeks will cover the topic of sustainability. Our guest next week is Ilaria Petito, the owner of Donna Chiara Wines in Campania, Italy. We look forward to talking to with Ilaria and getting her views on the larger topic of sustainability and find out what she's doing in her vineyards and in her cellar, as well as what's happening in her region of Italy. Tune in next week, Thursday at 3 p.m., wherever you get your podcast. Thanks so much. This is Vignetto, a podcast. From the sun and soil they grow.